right. Who's ready for the word today? Pastor Thomas, can I pass this to you? Do you have a message for me, Pastor Sandy? Yes, thank you very much. Awesome. Because we're doing things a little bit new, so I thank Pastor Sandy for reminding. If you are here for the first time and you filled out those um, connection cards or praise cards, if you can just raise them in the air and our host team will collect those and then give you a complimentary voucher for coffee after the service. Thank you, team, for doing that. All right. AV team, are we ready to go with our PowerPoint? All right. So if you weren't here last Sunday, we launched a new teaching series called The Other 90%. And uh, we did a little bit of a guessing game before we launched it where people were kind of wondering what this was all about. It was interesting because during Vision Sunday, I actually talked about uh, the percentage of 90%, but it was to do with something else. That 90% of Australians are unchurched. Did you know that? Uh, 90% of Australians are unchurched. And uh, so that's why our vision this year is to be even more proactive and deliberate in, in impacting and reaching uh, people who are unchurched and seeing them get planted in the house of God and discipled uh, in the name of Jesus. And so that's an exciting vision. But we had a guessing game because you, you might have thought, well, this is what the teaching series is about. It's about the other 90%. Uh, we are going to do something on uh, evangelism coming up uh, later, early in this year. But this teaching series, if you weren't here last Sunday, actually, interestingly, is about uh, money. And I talked about last Sunday that in the eight years that we've uh, been doing Forever House in Brisbane, I've never done a teaching series on money ever. I specifically said that because I think sometimes Christians don't like money being talked about in church. So I very clearly made it very clear uh, particularly for people who are here for the first time, because they might think, does this guy talk about money all the time? Uh, I've never done a teaching series on money or finances ever, and we're a big fan of having short tithe messages as well. Who likes short tithe messages? Oh, you're all silent. Who likes short tithe messages? Don't lie. Come on. <laughs> so what, what we're saying here is, is that I, I, I'm doing this teaching series. This is part two. Uh, because I feel a strong prompting that it's important because probably 80 to 85, close to 90% of the mentoring that I do, when people come to me and they're, you know, they've been a Christian for a while and they've, they've de developed the basics of their Christianity, but when they come to me with real honest struggles, majority of the time has something to do with what's going on in their financial world and where they just feel stuck or they feel like they're just out of control with their finances. And so... I've spent a lot of time one-on-one -on -one with people trying to help them, looking at certain principles. And really, everything I'm talking to you about today is nothing I've made up. It's actually what I got mentored on, and it's worked for me. I gave testimony last Sunday when I first came to Christ almost 20 years ago. I turned 40 in June. Hallelujah for that. Uh, but when I first came to Christ, I was 20, and uh, my finances are absolutely the, the biggest one of the biggest messy zones of my life. Obviously, uh, I had drug addictions. I had addictions to alcohol. I was smoking almost a pack a day. I had addictions to, uh, you know, sexual lust, all these types of battles that was going on in my life before Christ. And then the first six to eight months of knowing Jesus, uh, a significant shift and transformation took place where 
uh, a majority of all of that uh, fell away uh, through the power of God and also through me engaging with the Word of God and getting good mentoring. So I had a, a massive Saul being knocked off the donkey moment. The one thing, though, that was still troubling and lingered for quite a, a couple more sin- seasons was my finances. And I got to a point where it was great to go to conferences. It was great to praise Jesus. It was great to get on fire for Jesus. It was great to pray for people. It was great to evangelize. It was great to, to bring people in the house of God. It was great to see people being healed. It was great to prophesy. It was great to activate all these other promises of God, and yet privately I was in shame because I'd go home and my finances were absolutely out of control. I had a whole filing cabinet of bills. I had personal loans. I had credit card debt. I had a loan on a car that no longer was even working. Has anyone experienced that before? That really sucks. And so the key for me was I cried out to God and said, God, I really need you to come and touch every area of my life because I feel that I need to break through in this area. And this is where God talked to, to me strongly about these uh, different areas. And so let's review what we covered last Sunday. And so I'm going to ask you uh, to click to the next slide for me, Sam. If we can move there. What do you mean? Oh, that's okay. Did you, did you attach all of them on the phone? It should be like 15 slides there. Yeah, on the phone, on that email. Have we got that there? Just hang on, team. I might get someone just to run the phone to me, because if we can't, then at least I can look at the slides on my phone. Can we get that running here just so we can have nice and quick? Thanks, guys. Awesome. Can I get someone just to go back and see that Gmail account, Sam? You know that email that I pointed to? If you open up that email, there should be 15 slides attached. 15 images. Is it there? Did you close down that email? Maybe you're looking at the wrong one. Okay, all right. So if I have a look here. Dun, 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 dun. Where is it? Blah, 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 blah. Okay, what we're going to do is this. We're going to email this out. We're going to post this on the forever. We're going to post the slides. For some reason, technically, they haven't come through for some reason. Uh, We're going to post this on the Facebook page. But can I ask the AV team specifically, can you guys work hard to see if we can find it? Have you still got my Bradford email open? Okay, it should be the one sent at 9 o'clock or whatever it was. Can you see that, Dan? If you open that up, how many attachments are there? You're sort of okay. Cool. All right. So we'll get that if we can't, ever got, haven't got it there. We'll get it attached to the Forever House page, and you guys can access it. So I'll just preach from here. Uh, we're, we're wanting to create visual uh, things because we're getting feedback that it really helps people to engage with the Word. Who enjoyed the slides last Sunday? Great. And what people are doing is they're taking photos of the slides, which helps them not to have to write down all the notes. Um, so. Let's, uh, let's help here. Um, can, I, can I ask the AV team? I think the key is, is that Sam, what's happened is you've said, you've maybe hit send and the whole email hasn't gone through. So if we can quickly run that back to them, because I think we might need to resend it to you, Sam, and that's how we'll get it. Okay. All good. Who's ready? 
All right, a little bit of a technical issue there, but that's all good. I'm, I'm sure the power of God can overcome that. Amen. All right, so let's be really attentive because I want to review last week. So last week, we quickly talked about four principles to set the scene. We said the first point is that one of the problems is we believe lies. Everyone say lies. We believe lies about money, and that's why we make bad decisions to do with money. We make decisions that don't line up with the principles of God and because we believe lies about money. And so one of the lies that we talked about is that there's a lie there through advertising in the commercial world that tries to teach you that you have to have it now, okay? Uh, the plasma screen TV, I have to have it now. And then another lie that we believe is, is that I have to buy everything on credit because I have to have everything now, but I don't have my own money for it, so I justify why I put a plasma screen TV on credit card that's being charged at 17% interest rate, right? So these are some of the things that... Uh, when we have the wrong mindset around um, uh, purchasing things and, and thinking that we, we actually need something when actually we don't need it, we just want it, but we justify ourselves that we need it. And so we talked about uh, the, the principle around that the Bible says that uh, we become slave to uh, using too much debt and using too much borrowed money to uh, lavish our lifestyle with things that we convince ourselves that we need, but actually we just want them and we lack the discipline. And it comes from just not believing right about money. Uh, the second principle is how many of, we, we, we ask the question, are you aware that God has actually given you your own business? And when we say your own business, we don't mean an actual business. And there are some people here who do have their actual business. But we talked about that when you think about what God's given you, whatever level of provision He's given you, uh, it's actually His first, who here knows that. Everything that you have and everything that you've been given is actually God's, and you're a steward of the thing that God has given you to steward. And so what you, what you have actually isn't yours. You don't own it. It's actually God who owns it. And if we're biblically uh, aligned that we know that we're stewards of everything that God's given us. So there is an interest in God to see how well do you steward what He's given you. And we know biblically it talks about being faithful with the little that God has given you leads to Him giving you more. And there's key uh, analogies. There's the, the, shrewd, uh, the shrewd master uh, parable that Jesus talked about. There's the, 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 the parable of the talents where it, it, it's a very strong principle that there is a stewardship call on men and women of God who follow Christ and that God, in fact, is very interested in what we do with what He's given to us. Um, we talked about that if, if a lot of the times our money, our battles with managing money starts with the wrong mindset. If you see yourself as the owner of everything that you have, rather than seeing yourself as the steward, if you don't successfully develop this, the stewardship mentality, it will always impact on your choices and your habits around how you handle your money. And so we talked about that. The third thing that we talked about was, uh, remember the parables uh, of, of the, the talents of the, sh the shrewd manager, manager, and we talked again about the, the fact that we have, to, uh, we have to put some trust into God rather than trusting ourselves and what we produce, put, putting our trust into God when we manage our money. And the fourth thing uh, that we talked about is you should have a business plan, as in not a business business plan, but a plan around how do you actually successfully manage your finances. And uh, we looked at Proverbs that if you don't have a plan, uh, then actually that's not going to lead uh, to a good result. And we talked about that it's important to be, we joked, we said, be smart with your money, but we actually said, be weird with your money. And what we meant by being weird with your money is it's so normal, weird versus normal, it's so normal 
to kind of be living off your credit card. It's so normal. We gave a statistic that most Australians actually spend 120% of what they earn. And so they're always indebted. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Good. All right. And so uh, we talked about some keys to warm us up. So AV team, no luck. No luck. Thumbs up, thumbs down. We're all good. Okay. Okay. Can we look at the next slide then? Okay, all right, wait a minute. Let's give our A-team a round of applause. They're working really hard back there. <laughs> all right, now, uh, just to continue warming us up here, um, there's a really good book called The Millionaire Next Door. And what this book does, the purpose of the book, is it actually helps people to change their whole mindset. I'm not saying about becoming a millionaire, okay? Let's not be restrictive and religious here. Let's be open to that there's actually a heartbeat of God here as your father that really wants to help and champion people to get more ability to manage their finances. And so this book called uh, The Millionaire Next Door, the purpose of it is actually to give people insight in how do really wealthy people, right, think about money. Because a lot of times people falsely think that wealthy people spend lots of money. And they're not disciplined with their money. And what's interesting is this book talks about the spending habits of people who have a very good stewardship of money and have done very well with money. And it talks about, you know, do they actually have a budget? Uh, Do they invest? What do they do? And so in this book, you learn the studies and the research. and, And you look at that they went to this very expensive neighborhood where everyone's got a beautiful big house and a big car and all these flashy things, right? And that the research is that almost none of the people living in that area actually were wealthy. They were what the book calls pretenders. Everyone say pretenders. So they found that people with a lot of stuff had lots of stuff, but most of them had no little or no money or actual wealth. These are the people that they call the pretenders. And the key is that they leveraged their whole future on the fact that everything that they had was actually mostly on debt. And in Proverbs 22, chapter 7, it says this, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. And so what I think is uh, interesting is that a lot of times we think people who have lots of stuff are wealthy. Do you know when you look at someone who actually is very wealthy, they can be very disciplined when it comes to their finances. And this is what this book tries to do. It, it, it tries to... To, to deal with the mindset that sometimes we're trying so hard to do well in life or which we're in a season with people who are in a civil life and let's say someone gets a new car and they've, they've borrowed lots of money and maybe they're getting a car that they really can't afford but because it's the latest ad, whatever it is, they're kind of motivated to get that car, get a personal loan, be indebted to that car, maybe even pay too much for it in, in, in comparison to where they're at with their wage and then because that friend watches that person, then it's kind of like that keeping up with the Joneses thing that sometimes comes in and tries to steal our joy and we start to compete and compare with each other and then now we're prompted and motivated maybe for the wrong reasons to now get a car because someone else like us in our season has got a car and we can't really afford the car so then we try to get a credit card or a personal loan and we go into debt and buy something that looks really nice so we can pretend to be moving forward in life but actually it makes an impact in our ability in the future to manage our finances 
Everyone say this word. Actually, everyone say this phrase. It's time to wise up. You know, and, uh, and, I, and I joked last week because some people, I said, you know, you might be sitting here, me, talking about that, and you know that I have a nice car, because I do. But <laughs> these principles, I've been rolling out for 15 years. And so what we're talking about, I, I shared how in the first seasons when I was doing these principles, I didn't have a nice car. I had like a Mitsubishi Sigma. If you go to Mitsubishi, I, I'm not here to say Mitsubishi overall. I'm just saying my particular, we used to call him Siggy. It was a blue station wagon. And it was a terrible car. It was ugly. It was an ugly car, but I could afford it. Even the car before, it cost me $400 from a car auction, all right? It was a Holden Chimera. Who are Holden followers here? Who are the Ford guys? I've also had a Telstra TX Ford as well, all right? That was like, I thought it was black when I bought it because I went to buy it, but the, it was like sunset time and it looked black. And then I paid, I handed over the money. It was like, I think $1,800 I paid for it. And, uh, and then I drove it home. The next day I woke up and in the morning when the full morning light was on it, it was like maroon. It's one of those cards that have a dual color but based on the light. I'm like, what did I do? Maroon? Who drives a maroon car? If you have a maroon car, I'm sorry. Uh, maybe that's in trend now. My point is, is that if you're sitting here going, well, Pastor Brad, it's weird that you're talking about not buying a nice car because I know you drive a nice car. Well, I do drive a nice car now because I'm paying for it out of all the investments and everything that I've set up because I follow these principles. I said no for years, so now I can actually say yes. And we're going to learn that principle today. A lot of us are saying yes, and then we're going to have to keep saying no to things because we're enslaved to the debt we're paying off at high interest rates because we were so tempted just to keep up with the Joneses in a season where our wage and a season where we were at really should have loudly screamed at us and said, that's foolish. It's not the right season to go there yet. Awesome. So what we're going to do is we've got to understand, we ready AV team. Okay, thank you. Again, a round of applause for Abby team. Today's message is called, <laughs> I love it, Act Your Wage. All right, Act Your Wage, part two. Last, let's, let's look at the next slide. So the, the quick review that I, uh, uh, okay, thank you. Review of part one, all right? It was called Mind Your Business. Part one was called Mind Your Business. And we covered, A, we believe lies about money. That's a problem. Two, God has given you a business to be a steward managing your finances in life. Three, what is your plan? If you don't plan, you'll end up uh, being a slave to just being ruled by whatever feeling you have about any financial choices of the day. Number D, be smart with your money. Or in fact, we said be weird with your money and actually be disciplined with it. Just because the norm is everyone has to buy things, most things on credit card, let's not, be, let's not let that be our norm. Okay, let's have a look at the next slide. Thank you, sir. So Proverbs 13, 7, to look at where we're going today, is one man pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. There's lots of people out there who you think are doing really well, but can I tell you? You know, it's interesting. When I've done a lot of career coaching, someone gets promoted. And they go from, say, a $60,000 wage to an $80,000 wage. Guess what? Their spending goes from a certain level and they start spending more. As soon as someone gets a 20 grand promotion, they think they need to have a better car. They need to have a bigger house. They need to have a new suit. They need to have a bit, bit bigger plasma screen TV. And a lot of times the increase means we spend more. We don't save more. We don't invest more. We don't uh, get wise with the, with the increase that God gives us. We just think we're going to start to go around pretending how blessed we are. One man pretends to be rich yet has nothing. Next, next slide. 
Proverbs 12.9, better to be nobody and yet have a servant than pretend to be somebody and have no food. What is that saying? It's better to not be wiring your identity on status of, look at this shiny thing I have. I'm obviously doing well. Don't you know? Don't you know? Even though my credit card is in the red. It's in the red. It's in the red, I said. But the world goes, oh, look at them. You bought a Jeep. <laughs> Who knows that ad? That's all based on psychology. You bought a Jeep. It's a friend going, wow, you must be doing, you bought a Jeep. You must be doing well. You must have stepped up a little bit in life. Better be nobody and yet have a servant, meaning that money serves you. It's not your master and your slave to it that you have discipline dominion over it you're telling it where to go it's not <laughs> sucking your wages out because you're making choices to buy things to impress people and you're being indebted and enslaved to high interest rates into the bank just to keep that facade up that hey i'm doing well next slide Proverbs 22.7, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. We looked at that last week and I wanted to reiterate that was a big theme. Okay, let's move on to the next slide. Thank you. So today, when we talk about act your, <laughs> act your wage, which I think is a great theme, act your wage, I want to look at this first key point. There's three points here we want to cover today. Point number one is there is a problem. And the problem is, is that Australians, we don't ask the right questions. In fact, we ask the wrong questions about money. And uh, what we're talking about here is the two points you want to drill in here. And if you want to take photos of these to help you with your notes so you can go over it, um, please be full free. A little bit later in the message today, there is a very specific couple of slides with a whole breakdown of a strategy of how to really master your debt. I highly, highly encourage you to take a photo of that slide. Uh, in a moment. Um, but the problem is that we ask the wrong questions. Sometimes we ask questions, so how much money, um, how much money can I borrow to get this? Or what's the smallest deposit I can put in to get this? Uh, how much is, go is it going to cost a month? Again, it's kind of being very much about being debt-minded, that I have to, to borrow. And we need to actually start asking another question. We need to ask what will the real cost be to this decision? What will the real cost be to this decision? Rather than thinking, what's the most I can get for the least down payment? What's the most that I can borrow for the least deposit? What's the biggest plasma screen TV I can get for that type of credit package? That's not the questions we should be asking ourselves. We should be asking ourselves, what really is going to be the real cost? And have we forgotten what the real cost is? Because again, we're talking about biblical wisdom here. Um, it's not just the financial cost. It's not just paying a lot of the interest. But also, we lose the opportunity sometimes to bless others because we're so indebted to managing our credit and our debt. We lose opportunity uh, to also remove stress from our marriages. 
because we're making choices where we're saying we, want, we need things when really we just want them, and then we put them on, on credit, and then we have to keep working hard to, to get that money and just to pay off this debt that's at a high interest rate, and we're feeling like we're a slave, and then that creates arguments, it creates stress, it creates worry, it creates confusion. It, we're feeling like we're building an atmosphere sometimes of that slave mentality to our finances, that we never feel like we're quite getting on top of it. We always feel like we're treading water. In fact, sometimes we feel like we're drowning. And again, research shows that one of the most fundamental reasons why marriages break down is because of the arguments and the stress and the confusion and, and just the angst of having to battle day to day, week to week, worried about getting enough finances in to survive. Again, this message is not positioned on, I don't think everyone's called to be a millionaire. I don't think everyone's called to be wealthy in terms of uh, what the world des- describes as wealthy. But what we are all called to do is to steward our finances well. We're all called to be faithful with the little. We're all called to put strategies in place where we're not just got our head above water or drowning, but we actually are taking dominion. And a big part of that is having the mentality to disciple, our, to discipline our choices so that we're not becoming slaves to debt. We talked last week that there is good debt. There's not great debt. No debt is great. But there is good debt in that you can borrow money to buy an asset that will increase in value or you can borrow money to invest in things that will increase so that long term you can use debt and leverage off that in a strategic way to build wealth or to build finances. Uh, So it is important to understand there is bad debt when you pay for, for things on credit that are just going to be, you know, things that just get old. Uh, and, and they don't actually increase in value. Plasma screen TV is an obvious one. Uh, we also talked last week about, did you know that where Harvey Normans mainly position themselves is not in the uh, wealthy areas of Australia, but they mainly position their stores in the lower socioeconomic areas of Australia. And there's a very fundamental strategic reason why they do that. Because people who tend to come from lower socioeconomic areas sometimes fall into the temptation of thinking they're never going to be wealthy, they're never going to make it at that level of finances. So to feel good about themselves, to feel like they've at least got some level of lifestyle, they want to go out and buy things that make them feel like they've got a decent lifestyle. They'll buy the thing that they feel that they can afford on credit. They'll buy the plasma screen TV. They'll buy the nicer car. They'll, they'll go on the P&O cruise or whatever it is, all right? And they'll put it on credit cha-ching, credit cha-ching, credit cha-ching, and go, wow, look what I'm doing. But it, it's interesting that all of those 0% over months, do you know that most of those 0% interest over 24 months loans, do you know that majority of people still end up paying interest? Chris is shaking his head out of disbelief. Did you know that? Did you know that most people stand, still end up paying interest because they mismanage their finances and they get to their end period and they still haven't paid the whole thing? Or any of it. <laughs> That's right. Turn to the person next to you and say, none of this relates to me. So problem one, are Australians are asking the wrong question. Do we ask what kind of stress is this going to put on my marriage if I make this choice? What kind of stress is this going to put on my financial world if I make this decision to buy this on credit, to make this financial decision? The cost, here's the key point here. The cost of unbiblical stewardship is huge. It has a big impact on lives. And this is why I'm bringing this teaching message. Because I think that as much as we worship, 
as much as we come together and we pray for one another, as much as we express our love for God, as much as we disciple each other and we, we do Bible studies, as much as we go out there and we evangelize, all of that is important and it's absolutely critical to the kingdom of God. But I think God is not just interested in publicly what we do for God, but He's also interested in what is going on in our private world. And I think a fundamental pillar to our private world is what do we do with our finances? And how do we steward our finances? Is a big insight to what's really going on in our private world. It's a fundamental discipline that we're called to get dominion over. We talked also, and if you've heard me do a tithe message, I talk a lot about that, you know, the Bible teaches that the love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself. Money can be a tool for good, it can be a tool for evil. But the love of money, if you worship money, meaning if you turn money into a God and you put money in your heart before the one true God, that's called an idol, right? And we know that the, one of the gods of this world is money. People are out there and they worship money. They sacrifice their life. They sacrifice their family. They sacrifice their children. They sacrifice their ethics. They sacrifice their character. They sacrifice their reputation because of the love of money. They worship it. They put their trust in money. They see it as the source that they feel secure, that they'll feel safe, that they'll feel empowered, that they'll feel strengthened. Come on now. Let's open our eyes to the reality that money is actually a God in this world. And if a man or woman of God who loves Jesus has a difficulty in taking money in their world and submitting it under their God, then there's an issue in their heart. That's why the Bible says you cannot have two masters. You cannot serve God and money together. You can either serve one or the other. It's talking about that money and God cannot be on the same level in your life. One has to be submitted underneath the other. And we know that the Bible teaches clearly that money, your finances, must be submitted under your God to be in truth about where you're really worshiping in your heart. That's why we believe in tithing. That's why we believe in giving. That's why we believe in generosity. But we taught last week that it's not just about giving in church. It's about being a generous person. So if God prompts you to give to someone outside in the community, then he's also going to be testing your ability to submit money and put your trust in him and not money. But having said that, sometimes we're so resistant to go with the prompting of the Holy Spirit to be generous, but yet we don't resist putting something on a credit card so we can feel good about ourselves. And that's the distinction that this teaching series is trying to break through in. Is this all making sense so far? Good. And so we've forgotten about the real cost of unbiblical stewardship. Last week I talked about that there are possibilities where you can, in your lifetime, you can have a debt-free home. It is possible. And, and you know, I think some people have thought, is it really possible? Is it even, is it even wise? You know, in 1929, only 2% of Australians had mortgages. Now, no homes are exponentially more expensive than they were in 1929. We know probably wages haven't exponentially grown as much, but they have, but not as much. But in 1929, only 2% of Australian homes had mortgages. 40 years later, only 2% of homes, so around 19, what is that, 1969, only 2% of homes didn't have mortgages. Okay? Now, a majority of Australians have more than one mortgage, right? Because they get into investing in property and that type of thing. But then a lot of Australians right now who've invested in property and done well, guess what they do with the equity? They go on a cruise. 
shows. They buy the clothes. They buy the latest plasma screen TV. Right? And the equity in the home, yes, it's charged at only 6% because it's a mortgage rate or now 4%, which is better than the 17% on the credit card, but they're spending their equity on stuff. Now, we don't want to get religious with this. Is it okay to go on holidays? Absolutely. Is it okay to have a plasma screen TV? Absolutely. Is it okay to buy some nice clothes? Absolutely. Turn to the person next to you and say, I don't want to be religious. But turn to the other person and say to you, but I do want to wise up. (laughs) Is everyone mad yet? Is everyone angry at me yet? (laughs) So let's be weird for a minute. Is that okay? In a good way. So what we're going to do is we're going to teach you to pray about your financial choices. We're going to teach you to have some play with your finances. You can still buy some nice things every now and then, but around a plan. We're going to teach you to be self-disciplined. We're going to teach you to save. We're going to teach you to make some decisions so you can save, so you can make some investments, and you can get on top of your debt. We're going to teach you today a strategy of how do you start to nail your debt. So instead of blowing $8,100, we are going to teach you to save $8,100, for example. All right. Let's have a look at this. Next slide, please. Proverbs 25, 28. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. We're going to look at the importance of saying no, learning to say no for a while. Next slide. We're going to... Say no for a while so that for the rest of our lives we can say yes to whatever God calls us to do. That's the strategy, right? We're going to say no to some things that we're tempted to buy so that for the rest of our lives we can say yes to whatever God calls us to do, all right? Learn to say no now so you can say yes later. I want you to think right now about something that you should probably be saying no to. Right? And I'm not going to be stereotypical because the old stereotypical would be, ladies, what's the latest dress you want to buy? Men, what's the latest golf clubs you want to buy? Okay? Let's just wipe those stereotypes out of the way. Let's just generically say, what is it in your world that you should kind of think about? Okay. We've looked at this particular scripture. Now let's talk about principle two. Let's have a look at this next slide. And that is pray before you pay. All right, we're going to give you more of a practical strategy to partner with that, but this is starting with the spiritual, right? Pray before you pay. So we, let's, let's paint a scenario here, right? Let's say you're on a budget. Let's say you decide to get more discipline with your finances and you think, you know what? I am going to be really good at managing the other 90%. I tied my 10%, but the other 90%, I'm going to have a budget. First things first, tie my 10%. 90%, I'm going to be a good steward of that, and I'm going to start to apply some discipline because I want to take dominion of my finances. Okay? So let's say you're on that budget, and then you walk into Target, and you see the answer to your prayers. And the answer to your prayers is a $39.95 popcorn maker. Now, I'm joking here, obviously, but sometimes we go, oh, popcorn maker. That sounds great. I like to watch a movie. We could do popcorn. It's only $39.95. It's a bargain. I could just whack that on the credit card. 
How cool would that be? To make popcorn every week on a Friday night. We watch a movie with the kids. Who knows that you can buy packets of pre-pet popcorn, whack them in the microwave and have the same effect. Right? But just, it's only $39.95 and it's a popcorn maker. And it's yellow with metal bits that shine at me. Just look at the reaction of the kids when we take it home and we go, kids, we've made it in life. We've got a popcorn maker. Just see the little look on their faces, how excited we'll be. And who knows that that Friday night, you get the popcorn maker out and you make popcorn. And you watch whatever movie it is and everything's great. You wake up Saturday morning, wasn't that awesome? We had a popcorn, popcorn maker. We're, we're really moving up in life. And then the next Friday, you get out again. And the next Friday, you don't. 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 And then the next Friday, you think, oh, we're not really using that. And you think, well, now where is that thing? And you open your cupboard, and you go, oh, there it is, next to the juicer that I bought six months ago that I don't use because I thought I'd make some juices to get fit. And there it's next to the blender that I don't use because I actually buy Indian and Thai most nights, so I don't actually cook. And that cost me $39.95, that cost me $49.95, and that cost me $59.95. And I put it all on credit that I'm still paying off. But I don't use them because I thought I needed them, but I didn't. I just wanted them. Everyone say reality check. Pray before you pay. If you may, on that day that you're tempted to say. Does anyone watch, um, what's that golf movie? Did anyone get that? Happy Gilmore. If you haven't watched Happy Gilmore, which I've watched 12 times, I love it. It's an Adam Sandler movie. Anyway, we'll get back onto serious things. Everyone say, get back on track, Pastor Brad. Thank you. Oh, that was very serious. Let's have a look at the next slide. <laughs> Proverbs 25, 28. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. I wanted to reiterate that. Next slide. So pray before you pay. Pray before you pay. Okay. Um, do we have a slide there that we've skipped that talks about, under number two, about items under $100, wait for three days. Can we just check that? Can we go back? Oh, there it is. No? There it is. Cool. So what we're saying here, to give you some specifics around pray before you pay, because what we don't want is super spirituality. Does anyone know? You know when people go into car parks? It's like, Lord, I'm not going to move this car until I pray for that car park. Now, you know what? I've done that before, and it works. So I'm not having a go of you. But I'm just saying there are some people that take that principle too, totally too far. And it's like they don't do anything in life without praying. What color shirt should I wear today? Is it the green or the red? God, I just seek you right now. Lord, I just want you to give me a download from heaven. Is it the green shirt? If it's the green shirt, Lord, I'm going to feel the mist of the Holy Spirit on my left hand. God, if it's the red shirt, I'm going to feel the mist of the Holy Spirit on my right hand. God. Everyone say super spiritual. Everyone say religious. Everyone say that actually is weird. If that's you in your private home, we do have deliverance ministry here. Just uh, sign up in the cafe. <laughs> but to give you some guidelines about not being weird with this, but uh, un- if it's under $100, you should probably just wait for three days, right? If you know you're in a zone where you need to be disciplined, if it's under $100, 
wait for three days. So what, we're not saying like if it's a bottle of water. I don't think you need to wait three days because if you're thirsty, buy the bottle of water. <laughs> All right? If you need to get petrol, pay for the petrol because we don't want you to break down. Right? But we're talking about things like the popcorn maker. It's $39.95. Don't just buy it because all the advertising agents in the world tap into all of the psychology strategies in the world to pay people hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to come up with little symbols in a store that will motivate you to buy it right there and there instantly because they want people to spend their money on their stuff and they want people to do it instantly. Okay? So don't succumb to that. Wait for three days if it's for those kind of items. If it's between $100,000, wait one week. That's a great strategy. If it's over $1,000, wait a month before you make the decision. Seek the Lord, get some wisdom, think, do I really need this or do I just want that? Everyone say, wise up. Wise up. All right. So if you want to take a photo of that one, that's cool. Here we go. Next slide. Point number three, the last point of this message. Your, your personal business plan, meaning your personal plan to manage your finances. Build the oh, oh no fund, okay? First strategy, I want you to write this down, is, and if anyone's heard of the Financial Peace University, they talk about this. We did a whole course last year for free. We offered it to free, not just to our church community, but we offered it to other people outside the community to come in, and it was like a, I think it was like a 10-week program, okay? So all these principles are very fruitful. They say step one is to build the oh-no oh fund. You know when your car breaks down unexpectedly, oh-no, and you have to put it on credit? Or something happens, oh-no, and you don't have the money to deal with it because it's an emergency, because it's urgent, you have to put it on credit. So they're saying the first step is to save $1,000 and credit as your oh-no fund, okay? Now, you may think, save $1,000, I can't even save $10. Well, that's okay. Save $10 and do that 100 times. <laughs> okay, and you'll get there, all right? The old saying, it may not happen overnight, but it will happen, amen, all right? The oh no fund, $1,000, and, and get that in some other kind of account that you can access, but maybe you can't quickly access. It might take a 24-hour day before you can access that money. Maybe an ING account. No, I'm not getting commission for ING. I don't work for them by mentioning ING brand here. All right? It's just something that I've used before. So an ING account that gives you a 6% interest rate for having money stored and, the, and that $1,000 of interest, great, so you can tap into it when it's an emergency. The second step, they say, is start to eliminate your overhead. What do they mean by overhead? Start to really attack and start eliminating the bad debt. Okay, the bad debt. Everyone say bad debt. So if you have a personal loan, a credit card, the furniture, 0% interest, the student loan, you know, the stuff, all the stuff uh, that's bad debt, you want to start to attack that. We're going to give you a strategy how to do that in a second. And step three is build a reserve fund, which means start to actually have another account where you're putting, once you've attacked your debt, watch this, the money that you are using to eat away at your debt eventually starts to become more money that you start to use to build, to eat the rest of the debt. And then... You get to a season, it might take a year, it might take two years, but you get to a season when you've been habitually using this money to pay off the debt and the bad debt is gone. And then what you want to do is not go, great, now I'm just going to relax. No, you want to keep that payment going into a reserve fund. And then that starts building your savings that you can then use to invest. You can invest in, put some in super, put some in shares, you know, buy assets that start to increase in wealth. You might use it to then pay off your mortgage if you have a mortgage, or you might use it to buy a property for example, okay? So there's those three steps, but let's drill into, uh, let's drill into um, 
the eliminate the overhead, okay? Because we've talked about the oh no fund is $1,000. Um, before we go actually to the eliminate the overhead, with build, build the oh no fund, you can be creative, okay? For example, we had someone in our church that said, oh, $1,000, how am I going to do that? So they sold some stuff. They sold some jewelry. They sold some clothes they'd never wear anymore. And they actually got $1,000 out of that. They sold stuff on eBay and whatever it was, $1,000. And then they created their own no fund very quickly, right? So that might, so be creative. Um, or get a second job, deliver some pizzas, cut some lawns for someone. Do you know, Air, uh, not Airbnb, what's it called? Airtasker, man. Can I just tell you, like, we had someone the other day through Airtasker doing something at our house, and, you know, they're doing, on the side, they're doing really well. You know, on the weekend, rather than watching a movie, using pop, their popcorn maker, they're out there, they're mowing lawns, they're doing stuff, they're making good money, and they're using it, they're actually using it to um, save up for their first home. It's like, that's cool, right? So get creative. Number two, eliminate overhead. Let's look at this next slide, which is all about reducing debt. Take a photo. Take a photo of this slide, please. Okay, we're giving you a very specific example of a strategy here. What this is doing is on the column, okay, in debt, it's giving an example of, say, an individual's bad debt. So Sears is like a, like a U.S. department store. Um, they've got a totally, total that they owe to Sears at 18% interest is $450. Okay, so just look at the first two columns. Dillard's, they owe $650 at 18%. Their parents, they owe $1,600, and luckily their parents aren't charging them interest. Amen. <laughs> their Visa card, they have $18 in debt of that, and it's being charged at 18%. Their car is a $7,000 loan being charged at 10%, and their school um, fees there, you know, it's obviously someone that's paying for schooling. I think it could be like a, um, a student loan or a hex debt. $9,000 at a 6% interest, okay? So the total owed is all of their debt, and you can see the different interests there, okay? Their current minimum payments on all those payments goes from 50, 30, 200, 30, 400, 200. So the minimum payment towards all of those individual debts is that amount, okay? Per month, okay? What, what the strategy here is, okay, is currently, if we have a look over here, this is what they're currently doing. To pay off their debt and paying it just with minimum payments, so if they just kept doing this and just doing the minimum payments of everything, it's going to take them 120 months. There's 12 months in a year, so work out how long that's going to take them. 10 years to pay off this debt. Everyone say, ouch. Okay? Who knows that we're attracted to minimum payments? Because then we're extracting the least amount out of our income, and then we can spend it more on buying popcorn makers, <laughs> right? And going into more debt. So what you want to do is you want to have a strategy which is really dealing with your debt and nailing your bad debt. It's called the debt snowball payoff. And rather than taking 120 months, you can do it over 21 months. The difference is 99 months, so it's important, right? We'll go to this last point in a second. How do you do that? What they're saying is, is to find some type of extra, extra amount of money, right? It might be $50 a week that usually you might spend on the movies, takeout, whatever it is. Find an extra amount of money, okay? And add that to one of the minimum payments. So what they're doing here, okay, is they're adding it to one of the minimum payments there. So I think what they're going with 
is they're going with $200. They're trying to find an extra $200 a month as they're told, everyone say $200 a month. So an extra payment, remember everything up until now has just been the minimum bare bone payments of all the different debts. What they're doing is outside of all of those minimum payments, they're just finding one off an extra payment that they can somehow grind together per month. So for this example, they found 200. You may be sitting here going, I can't find 200. Maybe it's 100, maybe it's 50, maybe it's 150. Whatever it is, find something extra on top of the minimum payments. And what you first do, okay, is you first apply that whole extra amount to one of those particular debts. You don't split it because what you do is you can see here is the first thing that they did is the minimum payment for Sears, the debt was $450, the minimum payment was $50. What they did was they took their minimum payment and they put their extra monthly payment of $200, which made that a $250 payment, and they put that on Sears. Now, who knows that $250 applied to $450 over a couple of months, it's going to quickly get rid of that whole Sears payment. Sears has paid, paid off. Everyone say, Sears has paid off. Bang. Now, instead of one, two, three, four, five, six debts, have they now got five debts? Who knows after two months that's going to feel good? Right? It's going to feel good. Now, that $200 payment or that $100 payment or that $50 extra payment, whatever it was to get the first debt gone, you're going to now use it and you're going to attach it to the next one. And you're going to completely attach it to every monthly payment to the next one. So what they did was the minimum payment of Dillard's was $30. They took this extra payment of 200 but they also took the original payment that they were used to paying Sears 50, which was 250. They then started applying that 250 that they were paying over two months now to this debt and adding it to the minimum payment. So they now started paying 280. So this one's gone. They now started paying 280 against this. Who knows that with 650 debt and 280, it's going to take a couple of months, right? And then they get rid of that debt. High five, Chris. So we've gone from six to five. Now we've got four debts. Is everyone catching how this works? And then what they do is they take the 250 payment, or now the 280 payment, come on now, these now are gone, then they take the 280 payment and they start to nail this debt. Who knows it's important to pay your parents off first, <laughs> all right? And it's 200 plus 280, 480 a month to nail this. You're looking at about four months because there's no interest, right? Now you've gone from four debts to three debts. High five, Cassie. We've just got rid of 50% of the debt payments. Then you play the same thing to the visa. So whether your minimum payment to the visa was $30, now we're taking the 480 because this is gone, this is gone, this is gone, and we've taken all these payments here now. We're now going to apply it to here, so now we're going to pay 510 against this. And then bang, after a couple months, that's gone. Then we take that 510 and we apply it to this. Bang, 910 a month against that, right? All right, you're looking, you know, this is a significant one, right? So it's probably going to take about nine or 10 months, but can I tell you, Paying off your car loan at $7,000 after 10 months. It takes nine months to create a baby, right? <laughs> it's hard. You have to get through it, but there's breakthrough at the end. Hallelujah. The same as paying off your car debt with this strategy. And then the school, right? Then you take that last payment. You've only got one debt left of bad debt. Everyone say bad debt. We're not talking about your good debt, your mortgage debt. We're talking about the bad debt. And then you delete that. Can I tell you? When you get rid of all your bad debt, it feels so good. If you're not getting excited somewhere in your body, I'm telling you, I don't know what's going on here. Because God's in interested in helping you. Don't think we're just worshipping a glory cloud God. 
It's not just all about how you feel in the presence of the Lord. It's not just about that. Walking with Christ is about being disciplined, being discipled. And God is a God of wisdom. Come on, church. He's a God of wisdom. A lot of Christians give all the praise to God. It's all about the glory cloud. And yet there's a complete lack of wisdom in their private world. God is interested in in these practical things. Who believes that? And then lastly, the third principle, if we could move to this last slide. Thank you, AV team. The th- next slide, well, scripture here. That's all right. If we've got this, if it's whatever the next slide is, if we can go back to that, just to reiterate. Thank you, guys. Proverbs 21.5. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Haste is a quick decision. It's based on instant emotion. Popcorn maker, cha-ching. Haste leads to poverty. Whereas if you have a plan beforehand, what am I going to do with my money to minimize my bad debt, to take dominion and not be enslaved by debt? When you go into Target, when you go into Kmart, when you go into the petrol station and there's all the candy bars there, you've already got a preset, predetermined plan. It gives you the ability to go, you know what? I'm saying no, so in the future I can say yes to more things. And you keep the mind of Christ in that moment. Be disciplined. You're saying no to those things because you've got a plan. You've got a strategy. Okay, last slide. Is steward your money and steward your life. This is this whole theme over over this teaching series. And to have power, to have dominion, to walk in God's wisdom, say no to the things most people say yes to for just a little while. When we say a little while, we're talking maybe two years, maybe a year. Eliminate your bad debt. That's a key strategy we want to encourage you to look at. And then you can say yes for the rest of your life. Then you can say yes for the rest of your life. I shared last week, Sarah and I don't have credit cards. We don't have personal loans. We don't have furniture loans. We don't have any bad debt. Is it because of I'm a great, amazing person who's all wonderful? No. It's because I'm just simply following a plan when I humbled myself and God said, I want you to go to this mentor and I want you to get a strategy because I want you to get out of this place of feeling enslaved, just mismanaging your money. And so I just followed the plan. Were there times when I stuffed up where I, you know, didn't always follow the plan? Yeah. But over 15 years, we've followed it. And can I tell you, it takes the stress away. And I think sometimes we look at God as our fixer. We're sick because we haven't drunk enough water. We're sick because we're eating McDonald's every day. We're sick because we don't exercise. And then we go to God and say, God, heal me. We get the flu all the time because we lack wisdom in what we invest into our body. And then we're like, God, heal me. God, heal me. God, heal me. You know what? God is a healer and God wants to heal you. But God also wants you to, to prescribe a, you know, think about a prevention rather than always having to go to God for a cure. Can I say this? If you only look at God as a cure God, but you don't look at God that he wants to create a preventative measure for you first by looking at his principles and getting you to follow those principles so you actually don't need a cure, then you're missing out on the whole big dynamic of who God is. God is not just a cure God. God is not just someone who you're indebted, you're out of control of your finances, and now you're praying for a miracle. You're praying for someone to give you money. You're praying for something to fall from heaven. You're praying for some financial miracle. Can I tell you, if you're in that situation, 
hey, God will help you to get you out of those situations. But God also wants to say, hey, but wise up, son or daughter. And come to me, come to my word, come to my principles and start to get a plan. Start to get a preventative measure. Start to apply the wisdom and principles so that your life isn't constantly about survival. But your life is about thriving and taking dominion so you can be, you can be blessed to be a blessing. Who believes that? Let's pray. Let's close our eyes. I'm going to ask um, the people who are being water baptized, if you can now go and get ready and prepare, that'd be great. If I could have the music team come, just the instrumentalists is fine. But as everyone's got their head closed, their, their head closed, <laughs> their eyes closed, their head bowed. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you're shifting and positively breaking mindsets that sometimes lock us into things that we think are right or we've ignored for years. Lord, I thank you that there'd be a breakthrough anointing on this teaching series. Lord, I pray that there'd be something in this that would get the attention of the hearts and minds of your people to no longer run away or put their head under a pillow because maybe their finances, they feel like they're just out of control or they just feel like they're, they're struggling or just treading water. But Lord, that you would, you would pour out a light and you would shine on the truth in your word. That, Lord, you've called us to be stewards. And you've called us to be brave and to be bold and to open our hearts and our lives to truth and to wisdom. Lord, wisdom is sometimes uncomfortable to swallow. But, Lord, it's good for us. Like broccoli or Brussels sprouts for a little kid. It's sometimes not appealing to swallow or to taste. But, man, if we take it in, it can bring health. It can bring strength. It can bring energy. Lord, I pray for hope. I pray for a spirit of hope to ignite in hearts of people. That, Lord, wherever they're at with their finances, that if we take on this identity that we are stewards, we are called to be faithful to little. We're called to wise up. We're called to no longer believe the lies about money. We're called to submit money underneath you. We're called to have a plan. We're called to have a pre-decided thought about how we choose to put our finances. Lord, I thank you, Father, that, Lord, you're releasing a strategy for people to eliminate and to break the backbone of bad debt. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Lord, we put our trust in you. And, Lord, over the next couple of weeks, as we release more and more revelation, spiritually and practically, I thank you, God, that people would have the wisdom to run with it to put in place so it'll be fruitful. Lord, we give you all the praise and we give you all the glory for what you're doing. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Let's give God some praise.